What if I told you that you could help solve the hospitality recruitment crisis with just £10? You'd say, shut up, take my money, wouldn't you? Well, that's exactly what a new initiative called Hospitality Rising is going to do. Between now and May the 12th, we are raising £5 million to fund the biggest hospitality recruitment advertising campaign that the UK and beyond has ever seen. We want to double the amount of people who would consider working in hospitality. Think army, be the best, but for hospitality. All we need from you is £10 per employee that you have in your business and together we can stop this recruitment crisis forever. Go to hospitalityrising.org now to find out how you can help today and don't forget to tell your HR team and your CEO. Supersonic! 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 Supersonic. Supersonic. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. Hello, it's Adam here from Storekit. We're the easy mobile ordering system for ambitious operators. We love Mark so much that for podcast listeners, we've got a very special deal. If you head to storekit.com forward slash demo and quote supersonic in the form, you can get £50 donated to a hospitality charity of your choice. All you need to do is complete the demo and be a real business. So if you're experiencing trouble finding staff, if you want to boost premium orders, or if you just want to manage an outdoor area with the easiest possible system you can find, head to Storkit right now and check it out. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. So it's the 142nd week of January and um, I'm just getting stuck into some more podcast recording. Today, I've just had a brilliant, brilliant chat, a very long one, actually, with Chris Branch from an agency called Seedly, and it used to be called Seed to Branch, and I was first alerted to him and his agency by his brilliant posts on LinkedIn, and they were all about just fun, curated content from other sources that would really brighten up your newsfeed on LinkedIn and it would just be so engaging and he's one of about three media agencies that do this and that's it that's the only people that do it so I'm so surprised that more and more people don't do it it's such an engaging way to get people to know about you it's a lateral rather than a literal way of promoting yourself on LinkedIn it also doesn't include too much personal branding either so it gets you around that thing if you're not very good on camera but it was one of my favourite episodes I've ever done, I think, because he was off and running, straight down. As soon as we started talking, there was no time for an intro, nothing. So I'll do the intro now, 
And then we start talking about NFTs and then we go into LinkedIn, which was the thing we really wanted to talk about. So it gives me the most LinkedIn lols pleasure ever to introduce to you, Mr. Chris Branch. I mean, you've, you've got a little bit of NFT stuff going on, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, it's so, very, it's very uh, preemptive at this point. Yeah, that's all right. um, Yeah, we haven't actually launched our own NFTs or anything like that yet. Yeah. But, um, this is a really interesting uh, topic to discuss, actually, because with so many scams going on in NFTs, I've actually held back on posting a lot of the NFT projects that I've found because I yeah. don't have enough time to research whether they're legitimate or not. Yeah. I've been looking at it purely from an aesthetical point of view, yeah. you know, what looks pretty to me. Yeah. But that's just the same way I curate art. It's got nothing, you know, specialist with NFT in it. Like I'm not saying their roadmap or anything mm. like more researched than that or whether it's a scam, obviously. Yeah. So well, I've, 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 I've held back just because with the lack of regulation right now, I'm seeing like 70, 80% scams. It's unreal numbers yeah. Yeah. at the number of, you know, even if the scam is, Oh, it's a legit coin. It's a legit project. It's a legit this, but then the roadmap just doesn't materialize. Yeah. You know, they, they and they pre-mint it with the ideation that the roadmap's gonna maybe be a game in the metaverse character yeah. or some other extra little thing to it. But they don't, they never had the dev behind it. They just said that in order to get people to buy in. Yeah, and then they never actually materialize on what they do. And yeah. it's very like uh so I'm, I'm i'm right now until the curtains are sort of drawn on the um how it's going to be regulated in any way possible i don't yeah. want to promote other projects that people could potentially go and buy into because we we just wanted to get you know some fun content out there and uh, all of a sudden one of our audience members gets scams yeah and somehow we're responsible for it so i've yeah weird weird times because i love nfts i love the mm. concept of them i love the whole like you know you could give back to charity every time it's resold with a very small yeah. margin in the smart contract and stuff like that. i love that sort of like yeah. recurring revenue for creatives but it seems like it's got too many fundamental flaws in scamming right now for it to yeah. be yeah, just wild, wild, you know. It's, it's it's just the wild west, and you know, just trying to get your head around it as well. You know, know, like there's so much new language, and you know, and and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I've been following Gary V's stuff on NFTs, you know, quite heavily, and you know, he's seems to be at the he's like bringing it to the masses in, in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and it's been quite interesting to see you know that sort of journey, and, and you know, he's opened his first restaurant with. NFTs where you have to own an NFT to go to the restaurant, um, and um, but you know some some of them are like exchanging for one and a half million dollars. Well, at the moment, here's you know? how I figure it: is um, the early adopters that are successful right now have got a pre-existing large audience on another platform yes. that's not NFTs. Yeah. You know, they're already famous people, musicians, influencers, yeah. and that's uh, the only reason that they're able to get this exponential sort of like income from it. Mm -hmm out of the blocks you know in fact actually i've seen that people because there's such a scam of buying twitter followers and stuff that you know you can actually go to a website now which will then much like you can check an instagram influencer for how real their audience is versus mm -hmm. bot followers and real engagement and stuff people are starting to do this pre-minting to nfts to make sure that this isn't got a hundred thousand followers that have been bought in two weeks and yeah. that that's been slowly gained over a long period of time through genuine organic means yeah um so that seems to be the new thing right now is like 
oh, you're going to buy into an NFT project. Well, just double check via our website that that's a real person, yeah. with a real project with a real background. And then you'll be a lot more safe going into that, you know, yeah. instead of just a whimsical off the moment uh, like buy-in thing. I mean, that's the other thing is that Gary V is a good person at mainstreaming certain technologies, yeah. but right now the user experience customer journey to get actually, if you're, you know, haven't got a clue about wallets or Ethereum or how it differs to Bitcoin or any of those other things, you might not even know what Solana is and that Solana does NFTs with a lot less gas price and all these other yeah. little bits and pieces, then you might be ripe for a scam. Yeah. You know, you are, this is the first time I'm making a wallet is to buy into this NFT project. So I don't know what I'm doing and it could be this and that happen. Or you sign up with a mirror website that takes you to card. There's all sorts of right for scams right now. So yeah. again, I respect Gary V. Um, although I think he repeats himself too much, to be honest. Uh, I kind of fell out of love with his content as a, person that's been following him for about a decade now. Like mm. I've been like falling out of love with what he says because it's, it's, he seems to appeal to the same sort of people over and over again in mm. that they're sort of new beginners that aren't really like, advanced people within um, a particular field. Like, you know, when he used to bat on about doing Facebook ads and then how to use LinkedIn and all of that stuff, mm. it never really is differentiating his lessons to advanced people. It's always trying to get that base level, like, you know, oh, you're barely doing anything. Yeah. And I, I understand why he needs to repeat himself over and over again, because people don't listen to his advice. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I, I so there's other influencers like Chris Doe and others that I follow out in California yeah. that really do speak to all levels of people, you know, whether you've got a hundred thousand followers or whether you've got one follower, yeah. they can give you something as a takeaway. Whereas Gary V stuff lately, I've just felt like, you know, I've not really learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, whereas I used to in the, in the beginning, you know, in all oh, fairness, yeah. I used to learn a lot from a lot of these influencers um, but like I sign up to these courses, like just to see what other people are talking about LinkedIn, mm. for example. And, you know, it's not meant for me. It's not meant yeah. for anyone that's doing all right or doing well and trying to, I won't even get one or two little takeaways in an hour and a half mm -hmm. from it. And I'd be very frustrated at that uh, because as a former teacher, I was a music teacher. So, you know, I know yeah, about differential lesson planning and I know that it's a hard thing to have to include into these sort of online talks. But if mm. you're only aiming at one base layer, mm. don't make it, you know, LinkedIn lead generation for everyone, you know, turn your pipeline into bloody, say this is a beginner's intro into yeah. LinkedIn. And then you won't get people like myself signing up frustrated and then coming out of it. Like, well, that was a waste of time. And yeah. so, yeah, it goes, it goes few and far between. I want to do something on LinkedIn audio soon. Cause I've seen that that's yes. a new feature and I'm trying to think how we can differentiate it so that people can come in and ans ask advanced questions, but it not put off the beginners yeah. and some beginners come in and ask them certain things. But I mean, if I'm going to be a bit selfish about it, we don't work with general individuals like mm -hmm. freelancers wouldn't be able to afford us. So more business yeah. orientated people and, and then they'd be asking very different questions to how do I get my freelancer business doing this and doing that? And yeah. I was like, well, I can give you that advice and that's fine, but you're never going to work with us. So, you know, what's my incentive to give yeah. it all to you? Like, uh, like, but yeah, it, it Strange situation, just thinking about like uh, how we could use LinkedIn audio specifically to appeal to people that are, aren't getting that message of just basic LinkedIn tips. Mm. And 
and I get frustrated at those people too that give out those tips because I generally think they're lies. Yeah. Like, you know, posting a Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. is the best according to who? Yeah. You know, like, uh, usually, usually, prospects are online or? Usually averages, isn't it? You know, and, and like, I always get oh, told yeah. off by uh, Alison uh, Battersby, who I do some work with uh, yeah, at Avocado yeah, yeah, yeah. Social, you know, and um, and she keeps me right, but no, she always gives me any trouble for, you know, coming out with anything that's like, you should post four times a day. And, you know, it's not <laughs> like that, but like the Gary Vee stuff, it's to try and, if you say to someone, post four times a day, they might mm. then post once. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. And they've only been doing one a week. So you're, yeah, you're trying it's top to, of the funnel stuff, yeah, you're trying it? to improve just getting them, them in. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the last thing I'll say about Gary V, because I really did like his content for yeah. so many years, is that like um, being all people to all on all social is part of his ADHD. It's like, that's not his, um, that may be his way of achieving things. And he's got a team of people behind him. I know Vayner media. I know how many people, how much someone on his team. 52 at one point, I seem to remember. Oh yeah. London, New York, all sorts of places. Like I heard at one point that they were complaining that he was spending more of their budget on self-promotion than on their clients campaigns. Right. And, how many people can treat themselves as a media agency like that in mm. normal B2B? Mm. I would say very few. Yeah. How many people have videographers following them around and all of this other yeah, stuff? Very few. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's, it's like, if you're going to use Gary V as this is what I should be doing, I don't know that that's actually a good case study to be looking at. You know, you mm. should, I would, I like the stick to one channel, get to really know where inside out before mm. you move on to the next one. Don't try and post on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, covering all your angles, all your bases. Because if you spread yourself that thin, it's always just going to be lost. Yeah. Like you're just going to fit into the vanilla crowds that everyone is trying to do schedule across all platforms with the same message, with different optimization. Like mm. Instagram's all about, hashtags LinkedIn couldn't give a toss about hashtags you know mm. like there's literally if you're using that same post on Instagram that you're using on tick on on LinkedIn yeah. you're doing yourself a massive disservice yeah. and you know you would be better off writing a completely separate thing for LinkedIn than for Instagram based on the way that they portray the the posts and stuff and so yeah it's it's it's, it's again it's just like what works for you might not work for all. I'm one of those people that if, if, if I was a doctor and I would get everyone to take a blood test so that I knew how to tell them what their diet needs to be, mm. you know, I wouldn't go, or oh, if you're a certain somatotype from a certain country, you should eat rice or peas or beans or these. I would go, no, everything's custom, Yeah. you know, down to who do you want to talk to? If it's CEOs, probably not during nine to five because they're really busy in their work, yeah. try in evenings or weekends. But if you're trying to get a digital market manager at the same company, try at lunchtime because they're probably on the platform all day just trying to talk to people very active you know it would be down to that like nitty gritty little granular level yeah. details as to how i would advise someone on how to do something and so when someone gives broad sweeping statements about how to do it what what they do well and i even saw this is from the horse's mouth yeah. linkedin creators i have a linkedin creator manager now okay he's trying to give us like all these video details about our oh, videos not dead on the platform. Cause I posted five successful videos in a row and it's like, um, but you're one person that works for LinkedIn and you're not looking at hundred thousand users and whether videos downtrending or uptrending. Yeah. So you're giving nothing of the localized stats that you work internally for the company. 
you're using your data as a representation of whether something works on the platform or not. And that's just as a, you know, as a data nerd, that is just not good practice. Yeah. Like even we look at like, you know, a hundred users at a time, mm -hmm. we're not looking at one. No, stroke so one's it, no good. It, no. And especially when you work for LinkedIn and you've got all those other biases going for you, you know, yeah. and you're a creator and you know how to make video and you know when to post it and you know all these other things. It's like, well, that doesn't tell me anything about whether video is working on the platform, whether you yeah. got it working for you. I'd rather someone who was a complete nobody tell me that. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know where to go at the moment for like good information about LinkedIn because I don't get it from LinkedIn directly. Yeah. I don't get it from people that don't differentiate their like podcasts or lectures or whatever their online platform they prefer to call it. Yeah. And there's only, there's very few people I actually get genuine information from. So I'm like, I, I, that's why I'm thinking of doing the LinkedIn audio stuff. Not it, that it's yeah. so difficult. It's so difficult because Alison and I uh, we do like a social media boot camp every year, right? And is, is that exact question. Now, do you right. pitch it to beginners or right. do you pitch it? We've only got one shot. So, or do you pitch it to advanced or, and then, but the trouble mm. with advanced is actually a lot of people aren't, they, they might be advanced, but they don't think they are. Right. Do you know? Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's so tricky. Is really difficult. So tricky. And I think mm. the more people that you're bringing in, so, yeah, I mean, I think we do okay in terms of covering the crowd. There's enough for it. It's kind of like The Simpsons, you know, there's enough for, for adults, enough for kids and the jokes, you know. Mm, um, mm, so we try that, I suppose. But yeah, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. So Well, yours is very mm. listenable. I was listening on Spotify, you know. It's just natural conversations. And you could tell that you've spoken to your guests a few times. Yep. You're a very approachable person. And so, you know, it's easy listening that you might absorb some really good stuff. Like, I, that's, I aspire to do something like that where... It's less, you know, I'll take everything I say is the holy grail and here's the <laughs> Ten Commandments of how yeah. LinkedIn works. I just want it to be casual talk about what might work, what might not work, you know, test this, test that. And and it has to be more casual. I don't like the statement people that go, no, Tuesday at 10 a.m. is the best time of the yeah. week. Because so, yeah. it's like, well... I just don't know how you come to that conclusion rationally, you know, like it's like, well, that can't be an apply for all. No. Do you think like there's a one size fits all for anything in social? Like I don't personally think you can apply any sort of pre-made thing to anything and it just worked. Like no. there's very few places that that's even applicable. So why try and do these sweeping statements is because they are probably absorbing that information from somewhere. It's probably not even their data or research, yeah, you know, mainly, yeah, they will have found it somewhere else. And um, without going away to research any of it themselves, they'll be telling it as facts. And yeah. it, just, it just really frustrates me. It could, I mean, it could be a good place to start, you know, in, in terms of if you are completely lost and you don't know what you're doing and it says, Try mm. lunchtime. But, you know, for example, I worked on the inside at, like, Yo Sushi and, and Pret and things like that. And, you know, we religiously would go, we must post at breakfast, lunch and dinner. We must, you know. Right. And it, and it doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't. And, and the one that's getting my go at the moment is I'm seeing people with restaurants in the same town or the same city or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're, they've maybe got a few different brands. And then what mm -hmm. they're doing is they're posting out like at the exact same time 
which then you know you're probably a fan of all of the venues so you're just seeing this right. roadblock of stuff which is all mm. negating each other out you know and i've seen it happen up the road in scotland and, and down here as well in brighton and in london and, and you think you know you, you need to space it out because you're going to be like cannibalizing stuff you know um but yeah, we well, can't I, test unless you space it out. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like if I, uh, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's like a martial art in that if you've been taught a bad thing, it's better to actually unlearn it first. Yeah, you know, if, if someone tells you Tuesday at ten and that's the only time of the week you post, then actually you're better off being not hearing that at all. Yeah, because if you posted randomly and then got a better, you know, kickback than you would have done at Tuesday at 10 AM, mm. then you're going to luck upon something like that. And um, actually we start posting in the afternoon because so many people post in the morning because they just want to post and ghost is what I call it. Yeah. Cause they get on with there every day, you know, like we mm. sit on LinkedIn all day, every day. Cause that's what we do. That's all we do. So I can excuse myself for being there. You doing client work, looking for prospects, doing all, all my work mm. in through one platform. Whereas most people, I know need to get on with their daily work or do everything else. So they'll post at like 8.30 till 9.30 in the morning when everyone else is flooding the algorithm. Yeah. And then we'll mop up every every other other day. And it's because I know and can see traffic levels of how frequently people are posting at certain times using Shield and other like external analytics platforms for LinkedIn mm -hmm. that I'll know, oh, this is like, you know, the bandwidth is really stretched here. Yeah you know, it's better to not throw our stuff out there. Like you just said, you know, you don't want to crowd block stuff. And if, especially if it's localized stuff yeah. and you're competing with everyone in a certain area of Glasgow, that's all posting at the yeah. same time in the morning. That's a really bad idea to try and put your stuff in uh, at that time. It would be like knowing when boots didn't have a queue so that you didn't show up at lunchtime and yeah. wait in a two hour queue. You know, yeah. that's literally what it's like. So it, again, I, I would, I would hasten to say, Everybody that comes to me with generalized LinkedIn stats, I tell them to ignore all of it and start from scratch. I honestly tell them to wipe the slate. And most people, their main day, daily sharing is resharing posts or yeah. sharing backlinks to their blog on their on their on their website. Yeah. Both of which, by the way, are the worst types of posts you could possibly put in LinkedIn. Because it's what is it? It's a social algorithm. What is its main focus? Keep people on the platform. What are you trying to do? Send them away from the platform. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. And yeah. a reshare is not like a retweet on Twitter where it can go more viral than the original tweet. Yeah. Actually, it gets about 0.1% of the traffic as the original post. So you're better off to download that picture, natively post it again, tag the person that did it and have it as your own native post. Well, that's really interesting you say that, right? Because, um, you know, you, I'm noticing quite a lot on um, LinkedIn that it's actually coming to you and it's saying, you know, do you want to be the author? Yeah, they're of this, auto suggesting you know? yeah. this reshare. So and that sense, frustrates right? me the most because it's like that's the worst UX you could possibly offer someone. Yeah. Is uh, you know, uh, the reason they're doing that is again, this is another generalized stat. I don't believe it to be true in the pandemic times, but apparently only four percent of LinkedIn users post regularly. Is that 4 right? Four percent of the entire of LinkedIn. Yeah, this was pre-March twenty twenty. How many? How many and, uh, monthly active? Uh, 350, 350 million, something like that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. There's about eight hundred million total users. Yeah. About half of those are generally active, like once a month at least. To you know, and then yeah, about four percent of those are regularly Jeez. posting. And but I think that's increased quite dramatically, and that's because everyone had to pivot their you know face to face events mm. company into doing oh well the only reason 
way we can reach our customers and our prospects is now through social media. Even if they didn't like social media before, they were sort of ultimately born into it. So yeah. after after the lock-in. So I, I think that it's quite dramatically increased, which is why I think some people are seeing less engagement on their posts now. Mm. It's not because the algorithm's dampening posts in general. It's because there's so much more posts out there than there were pre-pandemic times. And uh, yeah, I think that's where you've got to differentiate yourself again. It's like, well, everything's self-promotion. Nine out of 10 posts are self-promotion. Mm. So go against the grain, you know, just mm. be trying to do general icebreakers that are fun yeah. things about you. And they can't you, try and relate it back to your industry and your business if you can. Yeah. But actually, if you look at what actually a social algorithm is again, it's just an echo chamber for news content. Yeah. It's not really you making bespoke content and spending all of your time doing that like hours and hours a day. Cause we are creators. Like mm. if I had my own way and, and social algorithms work the way I wanted them to bespoke content would have about 10 X the value of a reshare of somebody yeah. else's content, because you'd be seen as the original creator yeah. tagged in that as the post. And therefore it'd be seen and, and amplified a lot more, fairly mm. but knowing that it is just an echo chamber for trending news content for the most part you are better to curate rather mm. than create mm. and that's highly frustrating to someone like us yeah. but then we end up spending all of our creative hours with clients actually doing assets that sit in the back end mm. like a pdf smart link or like an infographic or something that's an attributable creation an asset that we can send to people yeah. and then they can have like a, a real like evergreen nature to that content mm -hmm. as long as the infographic stays relevant and yeah. the, the case study stays relevant. Um, but yeah, posting stuff's very fleeting. You get actually much more engagement through news mm -hmm. and uh, referencing things that aren't self humble bragging about your company or your abilities. And yeah. you're just referencing something in your industry or something creative or just something fun. Yeah. And again, that's where most people go wrong in LinkedIn. Mm. It's just self-promotion, self-promotion, self-promotion. Yeah. And if that was an individual on any other social platform, you'd unfollow them as quickly as you possibly could. <laughs> but on LinkedIn, people seem to think it's acceptable. I understand, you know? Yeah. I also, I think um, the, the sycophancy of people's crazy as well, you know, just like the, oh, you yeah. know, comment. And, and the subtext of all of it is, please hire me or please work I with know, me. You know, it just, yeah. It's just like, my God, you know, you, you just see some of the approaches and you're like, oh my God. Listen, I just wanted to say, do you want to know something hilarious? We've been talking for 23 minutes and I've not even introduced you. And I haven't <laughs> actually, I've not even done the questions or anything. We just went like straight in. And do you know, I've only, I, well, do you know, I've only had one other podcast that was like this, right? And it was um, Mark Selby at, at Oaxaca, right? One of the founders there. Right. And, um, he just went off like a rocket. Like I just went, yeah. hi, I'm Mark, and he just went. Poof. So I'm really, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this. It's good, man. It's like so, we kind of, we kind of got stuck in straight away. So, so we started NFTs, and then we started a Gary Vee rant, and then we we started a bit on, on a, bit, a bit on LinkedIn. So, um, talking about advanced, I mean, this is advanced interviewing, right? This is like you, you've given like a black belt ninja guest, you know. I like to mix it up. You know, the, the, I'm on another one tomorrow, oh, good. and uh, they they sent me a bunch of like questions and stuff like that and mm. i like it but also it's like i get asked the same stuff every sure. single time yeah, so yeah. i can feel myself 
like slipping into that teacher hat mode where I've got pre-prepared answers. Yeah, yeah. I know how's cut. I, I like the like you know if I'm going to do these regularly, yeah, yeah. I, I have to keep, keep it fresh. It up. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise, I feel like I'm slipping into some like, oh no, this is my PR statement. Oh, yeah. this is my you, you know the BBC bite-sized chunk or whatever. <laughs> well, um, well, what I was going to say is the reason I got in touch with you was your was your content right you're Cheers. one of three i would say that i just really notice on linkedin right you've got you uh there's the ad week stuff oh yeah um and then there's there's one other thing but what it, it's just surprisingly fun interesting engaging content on linkedin mm. that no one else seems to do Mm. you know like people just are i think people are scared of having the post back to them that says this is linkedin not facebook you know that that kind of thought oh yeah Um, all the time yeah (laughs) but but, you know what's hilarious about that is by by commenting they're helping promote it (laughs) if if they were going to scroll past and and ignore your stuff then that's actually a much better way of not seeing more Facebook content on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because as soon as you comment on it, not only are you advertising to all of your network that you're a, you know, a cynical, negative person, mm. but you're actually helping promote it to all of your yeah. network at the same time. <laughs> it's so ironic. Like if people knew the actual social etiquette, that if you don't like something on social media, it's not to comment on it, yeah. then there'd be a lot fewer of those comments but I, I every time someone comments this is a facebook uh post that's yeah. on linkedin i give them a little wink and say thanks for your help <laughs> and have you, that's have my you, favorite have, thing to do have you came across any issues where someone said that you are repeating a post or you know i know you're tagging people in but do some people get the hump that you know, they maybe have seen it in someone else's feed like earlier that day or something like that. Oh yeah, we're quite, I, I give credits to everyone. Yeah. You know, all the all the original people that we find the post from, whether we find it on, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to list out my sources, but like, yeah. I'll, I'll give you some general ones. Like Behance is a great creator's platform. Behance. And I'll just sit and look, Behance, yeah. yeah. I just look, sit and look through the home feed for all the new graphic design projects, all the creative artworks, posters, stuff that I like. And then I'll look at places like Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, knowing that these are much more aesthetically pleasing than LinkedIn generally. Mm. And I'll always give shout outs to whoever or wherever I find it. And so people that criticize, oh, this was something that I found on Board Panda as well this mm. morning. It's like, well, yeah, that's we've written that in the post. Yeah, that's the game. We, found, we read this on Board Panda this morning too. Yeah. And we thought that we'd share it with our audience who may not have seen it on Board Panda. So if you've seen it and you comment that it's like well yeah cool you know like is is if anything it's more of like um uh, how quickly can we be reactive to it you know yeah. like uh, if it is something that we found in 2017 no one will have seen it recently and i quite like going into those like old school it off. ad classic ads yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. like clio awards is a great way to yeah. find ads that have done exceptions and you want to look at like well, whatever your media if you like posting video then look at video if you yeah. like posting print then look at print if yeah. you like doing out of home look at out of home you know like but one thing i'd advise people don't get stuck in whatever you do like mm. if you're a ppc agency don't just be posting PPC stuff. It's boring and dry. Yeah. Like you want to reach marketing directors that also like out of home stuff. Yeah. So even though you might not like out of home adverts, 
post it because yeah. that's what your prospect likes yeah. it's like remove yourself from your own posting strategy sometimes i get people get far too hung up on this doesn't represent me or doesn't do this it's like i posted a barbie thing the other day i saw agency i thing. saw yeah yeah I I, I, I just, I couldn't honestly yeah. care yeah. about that as a brand collaboration between yeah. Barbie and whoever else it was. I can't and remember it was. It was doing exceptionally yeah. well. It was doing exceptionally well on Instagram. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you go, well, there's a whole spectrum of female marketing directors that probably love that collaboration yeah. that I'd love to work with. Yeah. That if we reference it, might start a conversation with us, and many do. You it's know? a super important point, right? And and this is where people go wrong, which is the the argument or the, or the thinking of literal versus lateral. Mm. And this is the biggest problem, as you see. You know, if you are a marketing agency or you you know you're some you're a company that does extensions on houses. Don't just post that that's what you do. And other right. examples of that happen. You know, exactly. what, what is the lateral thought? You know, I was, I was with a client this mm. morning and I was talking about it and, and you know, and they are all about um, beauty, you know, and, and things like this. <laughs> so I was saying things like, you know, could we do a beauty activation where, you know, people can come in and get their makeup done and get their nails done and, you know, and it's completely out of the sector of what they do. But it's mm -hmm. just that activation and, and that sort of lateral thought. And I mean, that's what you're mm. you're doing all day long. And just, you know, it, it just doesn't, you know, sort of help to, to be so literal. And that, that's where you'll win. But just going back then, so you're talking about music. That. Literal versus lateral. I'm yeah. going to have to use that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually, when you just say it as a little expression like that. Because they might question what that means and then you can explain it just like you did literal means everything you do lateral means expand your horizons yeah. like it's everything outside of what you do of which is 99 percent of all other content you yeah. know on social media yeah. is, is genius i like the way you said that sorry no, that's right no no it's just it's something that comes up time and time again and funnily enough it was mentioned mm -hmm. in a podcast you know one of my, f my first series actually like you know hundreds of episodes ago but it's just always stuck with me i think um, i think lee's name is Susie. i think maybe but um she and you know she was sort of talking about that she was talking about lateral mm. marketing and lateral brand plays and things like mm -hmm. that and it's just always kind of stuck that you know it, it's exactly what it is but just going back for you then so music teaching and all that and then breaking into linkedin what mm. what made you go into LinkedIn and why did you just stick with that channel? You know what what sort of happened because it's it's my second favorite maybe channel. I think Twitter's right. my, my favorite one. I think, but um, mm. but yeah. So what, what what made you sort of do that jump? And you know, it's quite a big jump. Yeah, great question. Um, I was teaching at Leeds College of Music mm -hmm. as an audio engineering lecturer for oh, undergraduates, wow. and it was so much fun. And I'd done you know six years of uni prior to that to get into that highly prestigious role and then within three months of me working there the largest agency outside of london comes in to do a guest lecture and i said okay these guys are amazing they're called sticky eyes in okay. leeds and um i got chatting to the guy after the lecture and said goodness me the brands that you're working with are like adidas mm -hmm. nike reebok everyone on the high street pretty much you mm -hmm. know you could think of juice and tools was spending 2.5 million pounds a month just on seo Whoa. so that was one marketing channel one brand and it was providing that much budget to this agency Jeez. and then uh i said to the guy you know exactly who are you looking to you know 
help next because i can't imagine you getting bigger clients than you've already got like you've got the legos the knights the everyone's oh. and then he said really what we're just looking in to do is strengthen out our team uh that's doing the campaign so that we can offer them more multi-channel marketing stuff because they might have come in on seo but we also do digital pr and we also do these other things so they were looking to do like cross-selling across the campaigns and I'd been a business development director in an agency prior to ever going into teaching. Okay. And um, he said, how would you, I know that you've just got into this role and you're lecturing and that we're just having this very first conversation, but how would you like to come into an interview with us? And I said, honestly, I've just spent 95,000 pounds qualifying to be a music lecturer. Wow. So it's a bit of a, you know, bad timing for me because I've got to finish my newly qualifying teacher year. I've got to do these other things and I have a whole career set up for me here. And he said, think about it because this might be a one time only offer. And I said, okay. So I went home, talked to my uh, girlfriend just said, you know, I've done all this prior experience in marketing. These guys aren't just talk. I looked at the website after he told me about all of this stuff and went, geez, they literally are the biggest outside of London. They win prolific North best agency of the year every single year. Wow. They won six years in a row. So I was like, these are so serious that I would be foolish, not even just to go and sit on one interview. Mm -hmm. So I did. And I never looked back. Wow. And I had to go for three series of interviews, three rounds of interviews before they eventually took me on. I got on board doing some of the most insane campaigns for people I'd never expected to work with. And then after that, I really knew that I wanted to start my own agency. But I also knew that I couldn't just go from a second biggest uh, agency outside of London to you know, boutique size agencies working with these yeah. same level of brands. So I needed to go and get some boutique level agency experience first, just to see what it was like in a smaller agency with smaller teams and how that dynamic worked with clients and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I did, I, I left the big job at Sticky Eyes to go work for a much smaller agency where I had a much more integral part in the inner workings of the agency and how it worked. And so I got a real you know, full spectrum 360 knowledge of how agencies work and the way I don't like them set up because I don't like typical agency setups. Honestly, yeah. I don't like account managers. I think they're a waste of time if they don't have a, a particular digital skill yeah. because they're just a translation layer between a client and us just a postman. doing the work. Yeah. And so <laughs> I said, I don't, you know, I don't want to have a huge overheads with offices because this was pre COVID too. Mm. I was just like, we're a digital agency and one of the USPs is that we could be remote and there's no need to have an office these days. So, um, that was, so that was my real like steps to getting to opening an agency. I opened the agency entirely on my own to begin with. Um, and then more recently I took on a business partner who's my creative director. Mm -hmm. Um, and he owns 50% and we've just rebranded. So seed to branch was a play on my surname. Yes. Branch. Yeah. And then Seed Lee is now our new sort of like baby that we've rebirthed uh, from the former, you know, wins of Seed to Branch and all the client wins and all the momentum that we had just to take it on as a, something that we both, you know, doesn't have my name involved in anymore. It's much more of our thing yep. and it's all like cohesive continuity of branding and content. The website's the last thing to come, mm -hmm. sadly, even though we're a digital company, we lean back on LinkedIn so much that we don't, I mean, people just directly message us through there. Yeah. So 
um, yeah, we're, we're lucky in that sense that we were able to quickly turn around the rebranding. But in terms of why LinkedIn, um, I've been like in my pre MySpace, I was on social. Mm. So I was really looking at like, oh, what's the differences in all these algorithms and the business models? And, I, you know, I managed a Facebook page back in 2012, I think it was, with about 3.5 million followers oh. on it. And uh, it was a record label that my friend uh, had set me up as a social media manager job for. And I saw the giant drop off in organic engagement on Facebook. And I went through all of that. And then I saw the pivot to Instagram and Twitter and other places. And then I thought, and, you know, I took a step back and I was like, what is the revenue model for all of these social algorithms? And LinkedIn is the only alternative model to add revenue. Mm-hmm. It turns out that they're premium membership subscribers and having a totally, you know, unique thing to not always rely on ads as yeah. the main income for that is means that organic will always exist mm-hmm. because it will never go away if they don't hundred percent rely on you promoting content later on. It seems that all of the others were baiting you. Mm -hmm. So they were giving you millions and millions of views in the time in which they were trying to onboard as many users and get as much engagement as they could, slowly to take that away over time so that you had to promote to your own audience that you'd gained. Mm -hmm. And I always felt that was quite a cynical way to approach things because, you know, you could have spent hundreds of thousands of your own pounds to build this audience. And now you're having to pay hundreds of thousands to reach them. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, that's not the goal is just like SEO. This is organic traffic that you mm. should, you just want it to keep going up and up and up and up. It shouldn't be like, Oh, at one point it's going to peak and then drop way down so that the paid channels have to make up for the former wins. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, yeah, it was just tempting you down a road of this school and TikTok. I don't see them having alternative models. Although it's booming right now, I could see that dropping off the face of the earth as well, unless they have yeah. an alternative model to yeah. add revenue. So yeah, I, I, that's why, I went with LinkedIn all eggs in the basket because I felt like they're the only one with an alternative revenue stream that has a reason to keep organic content alive. And, you know, they they also had the goal of making a billion users and you're not going to do that unless you're onboarding quickly and Mm. you're doing YouTube ads and stuff like that. So they're really pulling in a lot of new people and they're not going to then have no organic reach for those new people because they'll just, unsubscribe straight away so it that's how i came to the conclusion that linkedin was the the best place for us to niche down to yeah i was really surprised um, i was doing a bit of research for this presentation i was doing last week and i was surprised the amount of millennials on linkedin you know, I was mm. I, like, I, I saw young some, people make yeah. up forty one percent. I saw. It's yeah. really and, interesting. I, I, honestly, I checked it and checked it and double checked it, and I was just like, mm. "This can't be right." You know, and I even said it in the presentation. Mm. I was like, "I'm sure this is wrong," but statistics, I think it was statistics or whatever, saying it, and I'm like, "They, they know what they're saying," you know. And so I was really shocked. But that's good. Do you want to know an even more shocking stat? About 87% of those young people are in the highest earning bracket. Is it? So Twitter is the second closest. Um, Then it's Instagram, then it's Facebook, then it's the others. But, you know, when you're looking at like, well, where's all the money? Where are all the people with all the money? It's in the place where they list their job title and they're proud of it and they do their own things. You know, it really is. 
Um, and that's how you target people on LinkedIn is wow. you look at their job titles and this, you know, you don't look at their interests. Like Facebook is so much cleverer with that stuff. Yeah. Like intent is everything, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. why their ad, their everything, the user interface and everything is all made for ads and targeting. Mm. They want as many data points on you as possible. You know, they would collect 30 million pages of, of data from you if they could. Yeah. Whereas LinkedIn is always going to be using your like, general zeitgeist information like your location the headcount size of your company mm. you know your job title and so there's no intent level there yeah but there is quite targeted in terms of you know what you do who you are mm. therefore roughly what your turnover is and roughly how much you've got as an income and so yeah. it's much more based around that like high ticket people in b2b even though they think twitter might be best it is really linked in yeah yeah. Well, there's two there's two things then, and I'm I'm being really cautious about asking you the 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 obvious questions as well. You know, like you know, because I'm thinking about uh, you know, like if you're Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher, and it's like when are you getting back together? You know, it's just it's just those kind of rubbish <laughs> questions. You know, but thinking about uh, hospitality marketing, right, which you know is, mm-hmm. is is my main place that I live. Um, hospitality market, also B two B marketing. Um, you know, I don't think enough people are showing enough respect to LinkedIn and I think that in terms of hospitality marketers I think they are still not quite sure how to navigate it what they can do what the opportunities Mm. are you know so be good to think about that and then the second thing is in B2B I get an eye roll so I say well it's LinkedIn all day long right and then they go Mm. oh what cold calling messages and did it and I'm like but it's how you do it yeah you know what I mean we don't do any cold calling or any messages yeah so it's, yeah, it's exactly but, how but you I have, do it. But I have you can seen, have a totally inbound funnel. You know? Yeah. Like, well, I have I have seen some crackers though in terms of ones that have got my attention, and I've sat in the right. chair of me being a marketing director somewhere, and you know people are trying to reach me, and mm, there was mm-hmm. a there's a couple of crackers. There was a there was a there was a guy who got in touch, and he would used a bit of software to superimpose my face onto like a kind of whiteboard and then he had is yeah, that what it they is put it on yeah. coffee cups and yeah. put your name and so yeah 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 it was really effective that's because, yeah but that's that was, becoming so more common you know is it common again it's, there, because, is it? it's, it's because we're marketers we will i think it's common but if you're your average b2b yeah. user you probably never received that message yeah. in your entire linkedin history yet yeah it will become more and more common though because i am getting it and uh they are like SaaS platforms that are relatively cheap to what's called hyper personalized yeah. I, I kind of think it's cheesy now if I see my logo on yeah. a coffee cup because that initial moment is like wow never seen yeah. that before yeah. but then the next five messages that all have the, <laughs> the same, same template and the same coffee cup and it's like oh so you're using a SaaS platform with yeah, a template yeah, yeah. and you know yeah. all the marketing in you goes click 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 yeah. click click yeah. oh that was a variable that was a variable yeah. oh well done you got my industry you know I like the people that go to my posts and go oh I've never laughed so much in my life yeah. I t- my, fa- my favorite message uh, favorite connection message I ever have on LinkedIn I don't know how many characters you can have, like 300 characters or whatever. Yeah. 
Chris just showed my wife your latest posts and she snort chocolate milk. She snorted chocolate milk out of her nose. <laughs> Can we please connect? Uh, here you go. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, that, that's that to work. me was the ultimate, like, I, I spat my coffee out as I read it. You know, it, it had a double, a double effect of making people laugh so much. You shouldn't They literally spat then. liquids out of their face. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a messy meeting. But I think, you know, in terms of, um, you know, for for marketers and hospitality, let's you know start mm. there. Where do they start? You know, and, and the other thing is as well. Well, well firstly, remove the word B two B from LinkedIn. Yeah, because actually, Facebook is more B two B than LinkedIn. Uh-huh. I.e., a business can talk to another business. There is no communication on a business profile to an individual on LinkedIn. There's no prospect to business page interaction. So. It's humans to humans, and that's overstated because, you know, I hear that a lot basically in that it's just humans yeah. on social, in any B2B, it's just humans. Like they don't even need to be somebody that's at a business that you want to work with. If they are leasing a car, for example, mm-hmm. or going to your restaurant, they could work in an agency or a solicitors or be an accountant. It doesn't matter what they do. It's where they are. Yeah. Geolocation is the most important thing mm-hmm. to that. So again, it depends on what your hospitality business is, but I've seen some great e-commerce companies doing well in the B2C landscape through LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. selling socks, selling drinks, selling mugs, selling gifts, uh, personalized Mm. in hospitality. I would go a much more local SEO sort of strategy where I'd go, well, where is my restaurant? How many restaurants do we have? You know, what are the local people in the area that have high turnover jobs, you know, like high end incomes, if it's a high end restaurant Mm -hmm. and then go, well, you know, I would assume that most solicitors locally could afford to come and eat our restaurant. They might not all like fish, Mm. what's the harm in targeting them because they're within one mile radius of the restaurant Mm -hmm. it's going to be much more relevant to them that way than you sending a message to someone in london when your restaurant's in glasgow which is what i get all the time you know it's just totally nonsensical either it's what we actually offer so why is it relevant or it's in some other country that's got nothing that i want anything to do with yeah and so the hyper targeting of messaging uh, uh, through Sales Navigator, if you're going to get into the nitty gritty of it, yeah. is using Boolean, old okay. school search techniques. Like, I want to find only chief marketing officers, you know, in quotation marks, yep. and or chief revenue officers. And you can and do you this can in quote- Sales Navigator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it just for the listeners out there, Boolean is B O O L E A N. So when you Google it, just have a look for Boolean search. It's an old school way to Google things where you get more exactly what you're looking for and not like... So uh, wider, wider searches, many, yeah. Yeah. If you're not a marketer, you might not know what a H1 tag is on a website, but it's like, it's like the keyword is there's wider things you know like it's not exact match it's broad match that's the words i was looking for so broad linkedin generally will do broad match through sales nav where you need to make it exact match right and that's the way that you can really hone in Mm -hmm. on a one mile radius of your restaurant to target anyone with a certain size company or turnover and then how Um, would and then how would you be targeting them then would it be through inmail or how would you actually get to them I don't like cold introductions because, you know, everyone does that. 
So I would be more clever than that. I would try and lead them on with something like a, a piece of value, you know, like again, removing the hospitality layer to it, because obviously not everyone has the ability to make infographics inside a hospitality company. Yeah. But say that you were a media agency like us and you were just trying to be a bit clever with your local community to really surprise them. I would go out of my way to send them a connection request saying, I've got an, uh, an animated icebreaker that I'd like to send you, Mark. Mm. Uh, please could we connect? And the intrigue there, considering you'd never heard from me, had no idea who I was, might be enough to go, well, I might as well have a look at what he's got to say. And if it's no good, I'll just, you know, block him or delete him or whatever. If it's a sale, is salesy spam, something or other. Yeah. So like, a very short open question to a new prospect that doesn't know who you are offering something of value in the second message that you're going to have once they accept your connection request yeah. is probably the best way to go mm-hmm. in mails. Yes. You're going to have a certain amount of them, but only if you're on sales navigator premium. Yeah. And um, even then I found that if they don't accept and that's it, you know, like there's no, you're giving them an ultimatum there. It's either accept what I have as sent to you. And most people will then therefore use an in-mail to pitch themselves cold. And I don't think that's a good idea. You need to have a natural warm conversation before you get to any of that stuff. Mm. So actually a normal general connection request is much more valuable to you. If you're able to gain it, than directly going through an in-mail and potentially burning that bridge. Because if they just ignore your in-mail, they're not going to accept your connection request either. So I would just say, try to connect with as many people as you can using the LinkedIn limits in the most natural way possible, referencing something that they may have posted recently. If you need a reason other than you're within one mile of my restaurant and I've got something to send you that's very exciting. If you need a better reason, don't say we've got mutual connections. Don't say all that other dross that everyone else mentions. Actually go and look at what they've been posting and reference something that only you would know if you were looking into their stuff. It, activities. It, it's really weird that, you know, do you know, I had a classic the other day, which was sick of all those automated messages, yet it was yeah. an automated message. You could tell. Mm. And then they kept, you know, sort of, hey, you know, and then they start bugging you, you know, they say, hey, have you opened my thing yet? Have you done this yet? And it's like, the, Do you want me to tell you how to stop all that and all the users? Oh, yeah. That's what's called IFT, IFTTT logic. Right. And if you reply, it will break the connection chain. So if you get sent an automated connection request message that you think might be automated, just say hi. And that will stop all of the rest of the automation flow coming to you. Because uh. IFTTT stands for if this, then that. So... If they, re- if they send you a connection message and there's no reply, then after 24 hours, send another one. And after 24 hours, yeah. send another one. And so if the, the IFTTT logic comes across a gate that says has replied, there will be no more messages sent because out of context, you could start a whole conversation and then mm. it wouldn't make any sense to get an automated message after a real conversation has started. Yeah. So break the automation chain. Like that's the same with email sequences. This is all the same logic with IFTTT. Just make sure that you reply to one that seems suspicious in order to say, well, I'm not going to therefore get spams for the next five messages that you've sequenced to me in some 
it's you know dystopian 24-hour window nightmare because i get some of those it really is terrifying and sometimes they'll send me essays yeah. with like seven links in them to all of their stuff and i'm like mate if you'd have sent me a one word or a one sentence open question you'd have been nine times more likely to get a response from yeah. me than an essay with seven external links in it it's just so yeah. spammy like yeah, it's too much it's too much. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I've, I've been uh, I've been guilty of it the other weekend. I made a nuisance of myself. Um, I'm trying to get the attention of uh, HR directors at the moment because right. I'm doing this thing called uh, Hospitality Rising. So we're trying to raise five million quid to do basically Army Be the Best, but for hospitality because there's 340,000 vacancies in hospitality at the moment, right? It's like really, wow. we can't get people. So anyway, wow. um, it's going well, right? And we're working with like Google's lead agency. Not anyway, I was just kind of and having a bit of a lie in on a Saturday morning. I thought, right, I'm just going to make a. But I just kept hitting in mail, and yeah, the response was zero. You know, right. <laughs> like all the HR directors have just went, yeah, no thanks. You know, well, um, this is the other thing is, uh, you know, are HR directors on LinkedIn to receive in mail? Or is it the HR managers that mm. would pass on to a message that are always on the platform? Like yeah. wh whenever we go, uh, my true. client prospects only wants to talk to directors and CEOs. Well, it's like, well, they're not going to be on LinkedIn all day spending their time yeah. looking at in-mails in their inbox. So you're better off going to the influencers at that company who are lower down in the right department that yeah. you want to talk to, who will be active on LinkedIn because yeah. their day-to-day -day duties are to be on LinkedIn. Yeah. So like, hey, HR executives, HR managers, all these other people, they're the ones that you should be sending your direct messages and emails to so that they can then pass it on to the yeah. HR director. That's what I've come yeah. to find. Like, real top tip that because... It's a good, it's a good tip because, do you know what, funnily enough, one of the companies I did go to, I ended up going for a recruitment manager, you know, someone quite junior, and um, and they did pass up the chain but we still get a no right. we still get a no <laughs> well, but at least at least we got that, something at least we got something the fact that they attributed yeah. and you attributed that across that's my favorite <laughs> thing about um smart links by the way is mm -hmm. one of the additional things that you could do is host attributable links like to our pdf every time i send it to a company if they internally transfer it i know about it Ah, because okay. I know who I sent it to and then I can attribute, oh, that person's from the same company, but it's not, I didn't send it to them directly. Mm. Therefore, Kathy must have sent it to Michael. And what have you, you know? got and to do that? Is it like a piece of software that does that for you? No, it's LinkedIn. It's called oh, can Smart. do it on LinkedIn? It's in LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, it's called, it's through Team Sales Navigator Edition. You need the Teams version. Right. You can't have single user. And then you get to host content in what's called a smart link. Mm. And that just means every single time someone clicks on it, LinkedIn will e email you mm -hmm. and say, oh, Mark's reading the PDF on, you know, 25th of Jan at 5.20, 1pm. Oh. He read it for five minutes and this was his reading habits. He spent most of his time on slide number four, which was, you know, you know what you wrote on slide number four. So mm. I could tell something about you by the way that you read our PDF. And then if you booked into my diary, for example, I could say, oh, Mark's quite an analytical person because he spent all of his time reading our analytics slide and not yeah. on the prices page or not on this page or that page. So, oh. you know, having informed conversations and knowing attributable like links and stuff, that's a real, real advanced thing though. Like 
you know, we've only come to learn that in the last couple of months. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't know if I even want to tell you that because that's a lot of what we do as yeah. doing outreach and stuff, you know, for the podcast, you know, I don't know if that's, I mean, I suppose it's okay to broadcast it because well, it's no, not the, like. No, it's not. Well, I guess yeah. the, the whole thing is like, and I, I find it as well, like if I ever give advice or whatever, most people aren't going to do anything with it. <laughs> you know, they sort, right, of, they, they right. sort of know it, but they're just, you know, they're, they, you know, they hear it and then they go, I'm going to do this and then they end up not doing it. But, you know, so what about the clients that you're working with right now? You know, what types of things are you being asked to do and what types of things are you getting up to with them? You know, that must be really fun. All manner of B2B companies, um, you know, we generally try to work with people in the UK just because the time zone issues at the yeah. moment. We have had USA clients and other international clients, but especially on the East Coast, West Coast, with the three-hour time difference there, like end of our day can be beginning of theirs yeah. quite literally. So it's kind of hard to do that. Um, but yeah, anybody. I mean, we have a process, much like most marketers, like ADA. Yeah. You know, is 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 a process like attention, interest, detail, action, uh, call to action. So, using many of those sort of ideas in mind, we will send creative briefs and say, "Well, what do you want to talk about, and who do you want to talk about mm. it with, and you know, what are your prospects?" And then we'll go away, research all of that stuff. We do a managed service, so um, there's different elements that they could buy from us. They could buy like a posting package where we post every single day from one of your directors, mm -hmm. or we, we generally don't advise posting from the company page. Cause like I said earlier, there's just no communication. Seems to be the dead, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, we get good engagement. If you treat it like a blog, actually we've yeah. got a hundred thousand followers on our agency page, yeah. but it still is not communicable like you need to follow up as an individual to that engagement in order to actually get a conversation going because mm -hmm. the call the call to action of a business page is go visit my website and fill out a contact form there is a button that's allowed to do that stuff but there's no oh i want to message this company or no you'd need to go to one of the employees connect with them and then message them yeah so ultimately you know you're better off going straight to cutting that layer out i would say if you're just starting up um, but if you're already got a few, you can't run ads from personal pages, for example. Yeah. So if you ever wanted to run ads through LinkedIn and you've only got 200 followers on your company page, it's going to seem like you're a total startup that could be a scam, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So you're better off building up a decent sized audience of followers naturally mm -hmm. on a company page if you're ever going to run ads in the future. But again, there's a very few reasons to to really boost up your company page followers. If you really, what, what's your KPI? If it's brand awareness, do a little bit of both, you know, post on the company, posting on a personal, but focus on personals because yeah. they get better organic reach. If your, if your KPI is straight lead generation, yeah, cut out the company page, go straight to source only post from your personal and reach out from your personal. You can't reach out from the company anyway. So that's not even an option. Yeah. So I always ask people, what is the goal of this? And how do we reverse engineer that into what is the best things for us to manage on your behalf? Mm -hmm. Like um, posting's not for everyone yeah. and it, not all stuff will have such broad appeal. We're very fortunate that we're an agency that gets to post really cool stuff, you know, that yeah. appeals to non-marketing people. That's how fun it is. Yeah. Whereas if you're in say litigation or data or something like that, it is a little bit more sterile mm. and, you like there are some like niche sources for data for example like data is beautiful reddit group which is 
a way to take large pieces of data and make it into imagery, for example, yeah. like micro chunking it into very palatable social media content. But that's few and far between, whereas there's thousands of sources for great marketing examples. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So so we, we take it on that basis is what what industry are you in? How broad appeal are you? You know, we treat people like brands in that we want to know what their personality is like, you know, are you a dog person? Do you like travel? Do you like this? Like, what can we find in the news that you could be relating to Yeah, using like a news jacking, trend jacking styled um, thing really. But yeah. like, yeah, it's it, it, again, like, just like you can't post it Tuesday at 9am and think that's going to work for you. Yeah. You need to take all of that stuff into account before you say posting is the right thing to do, mm. or this way of outreach is the right thing to do. Like you really need a consultant expert to make that judgment call with all of the holistic knowledge in mind. Yeah. You can't just, you go sweep under the rug. Oh, you work in hospitality and you've got that many connections. Great postings for you. Yeah. It doesn't work like yeah. that. Well, it's really interesting. We get quite a lot of pushback from clients you know that i've worked with or just people i'm advising or whatever and i'm saying to them look it really is a personal brand game so a mm. how can you build your own profile on on linkedin and and you know as a leader of your business or whatever you are in your business and then the other side of things is how could you mobilize your employees to post mm. positive things about their job, working with you, things like that. Yes. Um, but you, you get pushback all the time. And it's, you know, people saying, oh, I'm, you know, you're the CEO, but oh, I'm just a bit shy. I'm not very good on camera. And I'm just a bit like, mm. it feels like it just goes with the job now. You know, you have, you have to be good or seem to be good at media now, don't you? Uh, yes. Or you bring a you uh, in to do it, or do you know what I mean? There's a no, um, no. I would, you know, I wasn't actually thinking that. Although that is a good point. You could just hire someone like me, and Gary V doesn't post from Gary V. I hope mm. you know that. Mm. You know, like he doesn't actually. He has copywriters and all of this <laughs> stuff, and so, um, like, uh, no. My original point is that if you're bad at a camera, you just triggered me with something there yeah. because someone said this to me the other day as well. I don't ever post myself on camera. No. I curate. And that's a whole nother wing to social media posting that most people aren't even aware of. Mm -hmm. Nine out of 10 of the things I post aren't about me, from me, or include me mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Like I am literally shining the light on other people in our industry 90% yeah. of my time. Yeah. So, and that brings in more inbound leads than if I'd made every single post. Yeah. So it really is about, well, what do you know about social techniques? Because going down that rabbit hole, it is just, you know, it's, an, it's a feed, which is an echo chamber of yeah. news. That yeah. is what it is. When you break it down to the scientific principles of what does best, original content or news, it's news. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, don't even have to, you know, you can't use the excuse of I'm no good behind a camera for why I don't post on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like you could just be posting, oh, this is a great thing happening in the food industry, in the hospitality yeah. industry. These guys just got a load of funding. You know, those guys just did a load of new things. Everyone yeah. always wants to talk about themselves all of the time. Mm -hmm. They get stuck, stuck on what to talk about. Yeah. And it's like, I, 
you know, even when I was a musician, I didn't like to start on an empty slate. I would go and listening to a load of LPs and albums and vinyls to give me some inspiration. And and that's the same way I go and look at content sources. I'll go to my known content sources and go, what have they had going viral? What's the news story of the day? What is the collective keywords across these different sites that everyone seems to be talking about in the zeitgeist? Mm -hmm. That's where I start my day. Yeah. And so I spend half an hour every day just referencing all the good places I know to look at. Yeah. And then I'll say, what will the post be today that's the talked about thing? You know, like, so I, I we, we really are different to most other people in that instance, because yeah. when you talk about personal brand, everyone goes, yeah, get behind the camera, make a PDF, make mm-hmm. this, make all of your own content. Yeah. And yes, you want to be approachable and people like I, I would say I'm too guilty in that people don't know me or my face or my voice because they know me through me sharing yeah. like a curation page, you know, like um, it, a lot of people uh, who are on LinkedIn aren't also on Instagram, but there are thousands of curation pages on Instagram, yeah. you know, and it's, they're themed. Yeah. You could go to somewhere like nine gag, and it's or lad bible or all of these other things and it's just funny millennial level content that's been sent into them they've got thousands of staff reviewing all of the submissions and then they're choosing a select few that make the viral news and if you go and you go well they've spent thousands of hours curating and i'm just picking the best out of their stuff they've done a lot of the work for me Mm -hmm. you know like that is Again, I'm giving away really advanced tips great, to people there. It's great about advice. How to do stuff. Great yeah. advice. Because um, I used to see, there was a, um, who was the blonde woman who made kind of funny videos on LinkedIn and she sold courses and she would train execs? So, uh, she American lady, she was, was like comedy. I haven't seen her for oh, a while. possibly. Shelly or someone like that i'll need to try and dig out and put it in the in the notes <laughs> i but, don't um, yeah. i honestly don't spend enough time looking, looking through my at own it. home feeds because yeah, i'm yeah. always logged in through clients so i spend like <laughs> five literally five percent of my day on my own profile because i'm due you know i'm due to be working on all these other profiles throughout yeah. the day so I, I i very rarely get to actually see anybody else's content other yeah. than you know, what we're putting out there and our clients are putting out there and keeping an overview. I go to external sources. I I, I sadly don't follow hardly anyone on LinkedIn. I don't mm. think anyone's hardly worth following, to be honest. <laughs> uh, it's sad to say that. Yeah, no, I, I know like, what you mean. Yeah. You know, and how, how are you at switching off? Uh, from all of the social media yeah. stuff. and, and Very difficult. I really struggle. Mm. It's a very personal thing. Like, my girlfriend pointed out to me, you know, how many like hours I spend on the phone and uh, even just checking. Cause you, what happens is when you get an international following on your content is you'll get notifications throughout the evening and the morning because of Australia and America and all the different time zones. And uh, I know even that LinkedIn is set out to sporadically give me these to keep me coming back to the platform. Um, But I've, found it a bit better lately because I am making apps externally to LinkedIn flag how much more time I'm spending on LinkedIn than any other thing. Yeah. I I have deleted all other socials. Okay. So that's really helped from like a personal point of view Mm -hmm. because obviously my whole day 
today is managing social channels yeah. in LinkedIn. So I'd rather not also then be spending my personal free time using this stuff, um, knowing how bad it can be, especially in others that are just literally dopamine traps for yeah. images and, and, and everything like that, you know, that, I'm not really into TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or, in fact, actually, I know that you said that your favorite's Twitter. I found that to be the most negative. So it's yeah. all about your own experiences well, of something, isn't it? You it, know? it? It sort of depends what you do on Twitter. Now, right. I just try and stay the right side of negativity. So I find I've, I've got myself a nice wee bunch of music folk I talk to. And that's all mm. fairly positive. As long as... So I think the thing with Twitter is, see if you're not like a smart A, you know, and, and you go and you try and be right. <coughs> or like, right. you know, there's no... I always think, like, I, I used to be kind of quite into Buddhism, you know, a while back. And, and you go, well, to what end? When this whole thing plays out, so you mm. were right, so what? And you've spent all night arguing with someone you don't really know. Right. And it's like, what's the point? So I think the tip on Twitter for your mental health is just be the bigger person. If you see something that you don't agree, like don't jump, just, you know, mm. and with the music stuff, it can get quite nerdy, right? So it's like, mm. um, oh, this song was released uh, 25 years ago today. And then, you know, in your heart of hearts, it wasn't, it was the following week. There's no <laughs> point in going on and saying to that person, you're yeah, wrong. Because yeah, I know they yeah. got it off Wikipedia and I know it was the US release date. <laughs> and, you know, there's no, what, what's, to, what's to, what, you know, what, what's the point, you know? And yeah, I, I, you're right. Incentives play such a big part in it. I'll tell you a really quick side story because yeah. you really appreciate this one, right? <laughs> Someone the other day from New York who I had never talked to, called Carlos Wiggle, his name is. Very nice guy. Mm -hmm. Came from a very traditional agency advertising background. Studied advertising. Went to university for marketing. You know, did the the complete, not, I would say, the normal trajectory into what I do. Mm -hmm. Looked at a load of his posts. There are also a load of curated ads like ours. Except 90% of the comments were negative. And I was thinking... Why on earth is this? And then you look and it's copywriters and it's ads and it's critics and anybody that's come through the traditional agency classic route is very cynical towards other agencies and advertising and examples because they know it inside out. It's like going to the movies with a movie geek and they're ruining it for you because they're like, oh, that continuity shouldn't have been there. He was wearing (laughs) a digital watch. You know, all of that stuff. And I realized... I came from a music career. Uh-huh. A lot of my pre-existing connections were music positive yeah. people. So when I started sharing creative ads, there was just a whole positive feedback loop because it wasn't me coming through traditional cynical advertising critics yeah. that were my earliest connections. It yeah. was actually an entirely different industry and different audience. Yeah. So I resonate with what you're saying there yeah. about Twitter. If you started with musicians and nerdy you know, I, I like to think of myself as like an audio nerd. Yeah. You know, techno, uh, yeah, audio file, whatever you yeah, your terminology yeah, audio is. File, yeah. You know, like I, I, I resonate with that, and I understand that there would be a better place to start create, posting creative ads than the more yeah. traditional. You know, and and people yeah. worry about this whole like. Um, how do I approach a totally different industry or break into a new thing? Or I'm like, sometimes that can be the most it's a blessing. But yeah, it's a blessing. It yeah. really is. Like yeah. 
you're better off that way. Yeah. Same as the like unlearning all of the prior existing Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. You might be better off not knowing that ever yeah. and then not leaning on that as a crutch. Yeah. And, y- you know, like, so, yeah. It's not, I, th- I think, I think you're right. The thing is, um, I was, um, I've, I, do you know, I could count in one hand the amount of times I've been negative on, on social general. Good for you. And I got a kick in every time. Right. And right. I think, I think what people who knew me noticed was it's just not me. Like I'm, I'm actually right. quite positive. And it's not true to I, character. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I kind of yeah. went in thinking, oh, this will be a hot take or this will be, mm. you know, it'll get a conversation going. And actually, I remember spending a miserable Saturday night in a restaurant with uh, my then wife and me just looking at my phone, getting bent out of shape. Actually, <laughs> about someone who's a friend that was given it right. to, you know. So I, I just learned my lesson. It was like, just be positive, champion other people. That's it. Mm. You know, don't, don't do it. Um, so, yeah. And I, it, I'll say, last thing yeah. I'll say on that, because yeah, yeah. I know you won't get on the questions. That's right. If you start and you start satirical, you can make it work. You see, it's all about being true to character. You kind of nailed it in that, uh, is the audio still going? Oh, I thought we'd been disconnected. No, we're okay. Um, I've just had a a little technical (laughs) problem with my lead there. Uh, (laughs) If it's genuine, you know, and uh, like, uh, one of my favorite social media profiles, unfortunately got banned from LinkedIn, was a guy called Mike Winnett. And he was the satirical God. Okay. He would just go and comment on all of the influencers like Gary V and call them out for some of this, you know, just silly stuff that they say generally. Mm -hmm. And as an audience member, I was so into it. You know, I would never do that. And I would never encourage my clients to do that. But it was so against the norm. Like he had 99 plus recommendations for, you know, something that he completely made up, which was like, you know, contrapreneur or something like that. He he, he made his own terminology and everything. I have 99 recommendations to contrapreneur. Basically calling out all of these like guru course people that, you know, are going to change your life. He is the antithesis to all of that. Mm. And so I really dug it from that perspective, but that's because he started like that. He wasn't some normal guy that transitioned himself to being sarcastic. And that was, you know, you could see through it. Like you're saying, it's different to your character. Like if that fits natural, like a glove to you, and you can make it work you can build a whole social presence like that but you have to stick to your character like you can't then just go sway and be a really nice guy or then go and do this and do that like it's like no you're playing a character Mm -hmm. people know it's a character so like i saw someone from rick and morty sign up to linkedin the other day with the actual cartoon animation and everything called jerry smith and i thought genius Yeah, yeah you know this guy I think he's from an agency oh, wow. is taking on the exact sort of, you know, persona that I would like <laughs> to do is an actual cartoon character. He's even started up an award show called the Apple. I don't know if you watch oh, no. Rick and Morty. No. But, I, well, I've, I've watched uh, it, but yeah, what was the Apple? Oh, uh, in the in the episodes, Jerry Smith is like a failed advertising agency and uh-huh. he's a total klutz. And he starts, you know, there was um uh, that classic uh, uh, Got Milk 
you know, oh, yeah, the huh? advert yeah, in yeah. America called Got Milk, uh, and he made his own called Got Apples in oh. in the actual show. So now he's calling it the Apple Awards. It's all just a it's <laughs> yeah. a reference within a reference within yeah, a yeah. reference yeah, to yeah. really geeky people it that would really off. resonate with that. You know, <laughs> I messaged him, and I don't DM hardly anyone on LinkedIn. Going, this is genius, mate. <laughs> you are probably one of my competitors. I don't know who you are because yeah. you're a virtual character with an agency behind it, probably setting it all up. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Like you, what you've just done is inspiring, <laughs> hilarious, and I actually giggled the whole way through. Like it made me write a message to him. You know, yeah. Had he gone half-assed about it, probably I wouldn't have bothered. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that he got all of the profiles to look like yeah, it was. He wrote the bio perfectly. He's doing an award show. It was. It was just like oh, I'll need to check gold. it out. What, what was the name of that gun? Jerry Smith. J e double r y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you'll see, like, it's the only one with cartoon character, Jerry Smith. Like, it'll just pop up. And he's he's connected to Rick Sanchez and like there's <laughs> the, the, the whole gang's there in digital LinkedIn form now. Yeah. I don't know how LinkedIn's gonna react to this mm. because technically that breaks the T's and C's. Uh-huh. Because well, you know, could, you could need be... to represent yourself and stuff. Well, so. it could be quite interesting, know. you know, because on Twitter you have got grumpy ad agency guy. Right. You have got, you have got a few people that are, you know, hiding behind a persona. Um, but LinkedIn yeah. is technically, it's, it's, I've just seen it always be more PC. Yeah. No, no, you, know, no, yeah. you can get away with loads of stuff on Twitter. You can even use bot accounts on Twitter. Yeah. Like I've seen people actually, um, what's interesting is because Twitter runs on RSS, mm-hmm. you can literally, you know, pull stuff from blogs and just get it to auto post from Twitter and stuff. And at one point there was a couple of Twitter pages that got banned that I someone brought them up as a case study at SEO Brighton like uh, like six years ago. Mm. It was a genius marketing campaign yeah. where they were referencing everybody that had tweeted out, oh, I had a cancelled flight or something. They were like finding that through the RSS somehow and retweeting it and firing it to British Airways and doing all sorts of like automated uh, tw- retweeting and stuff because wow. – Twitter's so much more accepting of all that. Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. it just cuts off from the API everything yeah. like that that you could possibly do in a really advanced marketing sort of... Because yeah. I, I like building stuff like that. I think RSS yeah. feed and Twitter is the way I'd like LinkedIn to work. But when Microsoft took it over and everything, I've never really held out hope that they're going to make it as advanced as all of yeah, that, yeah. sadly. And what about the uh, uh, last couple of things? Thanks, I need to let you go. Um, uh, Brighton SEO, uh, is it good? Is it mm. worth going to? Do you go every year? Uh, I used to go all the time. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, it's more like Glastonbury. Yeah, like yeah, When I big. started going there, there was a few dozen people there and everyone knew each other. Yeah. And it was the same people representing the same agencies. And it was all mates and first name basis. Now it's literally 10 thousand people yeah. plus well, from all around the world and it's round the corner know, from me here actually I, I live like five minutes right. away from the center so uh yeah the brighton center's just there so yeah i think this year's banner said something like we've come a long way or we've done all right from 
a few guys above a pub, a room above a pub or something like that. And that was the, I that was the banner exactly for it. Yeah. How it started, yeah. right? Like, I don't know because I wasn't at the very yeah. first few, yeah. but I know that I was at one that wasn't far from that because yeah. there literally weren't that many people there. <laughs> and I was making the trip from Leeds to Brighton. So yeah. it was definitely worth, because that's, you know, you'd go to mainly London if you were going to events. And so to go south of London from Leeds, yeah. It had to be something special. And I think it was the specialization of it being SEO and, and a lot of the big agencies were talking about, you know, global campaigns that they'd run at a very sophisticated level yeah. that even if you took away something from that, that could help your agency, it could be a game changer. Yeah, so yeah. it was really great insights, really great presenters. I was always um, really into it and I always encouraged whichever agency I was at at the time to get an employee down there because mm. it's like one of those things. But nowadays it seems to be quite commercialized and, mm. you know, I think they're going to have to even split it out into separate events maybe yeah. just because you don't get the same thing that you used to get back in the day. You know, that intimate learning a lot, being able to ask questions. It's all sort of like diluted a bit nowadays, yeah. but um, you know, I, I've never been totally against the commercialization of everything. Obviously, people need to make money. People need to do this and do that. But I've always liked niche. Yeah. You know, niche, small events. Like, I don't want to grow our agency to 100 plus staff. No. I will always keep it at this sort of niche, like, direct tailored approach, customized thing. And yeah. I never want to grow it to a Glastonbury-sized thing. Yeah. You know, that with events, I can totally see how it could just get out of hand as mm -hmm. it came more popular. Like Ibiza, right? Like literally mm -hmm. the commercialization of Ibiza as a DJ. Yeah. When I first started DJing, it was hardly anyone went. It was a very like unknown place. And then all of a sudden it became the party island of Europe yeah. and the drinks started going up to 10 pounds a drink and it was 30 pounds to get into all the clubs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, that's when you're like, well, where's the next place? It's yeah. Zanti or then it's Zanti, there somewhere yeah. else. It's, you know, it's like, well, but I'm out of Ibiza when the commercialization comes. So to use that as a metaphor for Brighton SEO, I have stopped going for the last few years because it got a bit out of hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with how busy it gets but yeah amazing concept amazing people amazing event when i went yeah. it was it was it was the one thing i looked forward to all year honestly yeah. i might try and check it out next time so right i better let you go in a wee sec so last couple of things then was just to say 2022 ahead um what are you thinking what, what's it got in store for you and the business and all that what what you what's your plans <laughs> God only knows, right? Like, <laughs> you've got to stay as agile as possible because in March 2020, when everything started getting locked down, I honestly thought that we we're going to have a load of spare capacity and inquiries tripled. So, you know, try and predict that. Yeah. And you're, you know, I try not to plan all of those too far ahead because of how, you know, quickly things can change. Yeah. Um, even policies like where China just bans Bitcoin mining. Mm. literally overnight makes a hell of a difference to a lot of our clients potentially. Yeah. And then they may spend thousands of marketing budget with us or they might spend nothing. So it's, um, yeah, I, I think everyone has to try and stay agile as long as you're small and are able to do that. The yep. more big you are, the more rigid and red tape there is, of course, and board meetings and board talk and all of that stuff. Yeah. But just try and stay agile and just, you know, try and be reactive to things that come out and, that's that's all i i've ever done yeah. you know as, as soon as you say oh, here's my five-year plan you eat your words within Forget three it. months generally so yeah, yeah, yeah it's like what's the point yeah. i don't see the point in it yeah 
Okay, some quick fire questions, a bit of fun at the end. So we call it Mark Out of 10. So best city to eat in. Where's your best city to eat in? Uh, Melbourne. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And Brilliant. Um, I would even say the best restaurant in Melbourne is a Korean barbecue. Okay. Where you go and you get um, raw meats and you sit around a hot plate and you cook it yourself yeah. around a table of people. Amazing. Yeah. Just an amazing experience. Do you know the name or is there a few of those out there? Is that, is uh, there well, the area is called St. Kilda okay. in Melbourne. So there's a like uh, coffee and loads of restaurants down there. If you ever find yourself down there, just yeah. go to St. Kilda and you'll find great food, great coffee, much better coffee than here. None of it's commercialized stuff that you get on the high street, like Costa and Starbucks. It's all independents that have genuine like Italian roots mm -hmm. that make real artisan coffee. So if you're a coffee lover, again, Melbourne's the place. Nice. Or Sydney. I and would you say um, that was your best restaurant ever? Or is there other? Is there another restaurant that's like your best restaurant ever? It was the best experience I'd ever had uh -huh. in a restaurant. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to beat that. Uh, I I've had some amazing experiences in Dubai and Vancouver. Oh yeah, the two places that would come as second and third in the list with just insane food. Nice. Uh, but yeah, the most unique experience was going to a Korean barbecue because I'd never had Korean barbecue. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know the concept of any of it. You can get raw meat and you've got a, your own barbecue and yeah, restaurants yeah. allow you to make all of this. And it, it was just also like unique. That I was just like blown away by it. But yeah, Dubai, we had some, you know, five-star restaurants mm -hmm. there. I mean, it, Dubai is just a melting pot of people from all around the world. So mm. you get amazing Bangladeshi food, amazing Indian food, amazing Vietnamese food. Mm -hmm. All sorts of good food there. Vancouver Island is where we had the best food when I went out there recently. That was just, again, like, never really had anything like that. I'm a yeah. big foodie, so, like, uh, yeah, you've got to really impress me. You know, I've been to a lot of places in America that everyone raves about, yeah. but I don't hardly rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get you to call those out. Um, and then best, <laughs> best, best dish, best meal, what's your favourite thing to go out for? Oh! Uh, I love a Thai Massaman curry. Uh-huh. Nice. With and the potatoes and beef. Yeah. Beef Massaman. Um, I like sticky jasmine rice and Thai rice and just generally Thai vegetables. Yeah. I think absolutely delicious. And peanut-based curry. Yeah. Obviously not for everyone. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, oh, can't beat it. And then who are you taking um, to your dream restaurant with all your meals and drinks and all the rest of it, who would you want to be going out for a night out with? I saw that you said that you could be anyone alive or dead, right? Yeah. So I would take Leonardo da Vinci. Nice. He seems like the biggest all-rounder that I'd love to pick the brains of. Like, <laughs> he literally, you know, is known for his art, but also he's an engineer yep. and he wrote in mirror image in his notebook and he came from a peasant town where da Vinci actually is the place that he's called. So he's called Leonardo of Vinci. Yeah. You know, he, you don't even know his surname. Like he's the most mysterious ahead of his time, ahead of the curve person that I, in history yeah. that I would just love to go. How on earth were you thinking about helicopters yeah, 500 yeah. years ago? Like, 
You know, I would take him to a restaurant and just pick his <laughs> brains for everything he knew, how he thought yeah. about the world yeah. and, and just show him these times and go, I mean, you, you remember that thing you did in your notebook? They look like a helicopter. Well, look at this. This yeah, is an yeah. actual helicopter based off your design. Yeah. Like, oh, you know that tank thing that you drew in your notebook? Oh, this is a real life tank. Like, you <laughs> well, literally inspired people 500 years later. I don't know anyone else that's done no, that. But also... Um, yeah, what would you make of NFTs and all that stuff? That would be interesting, I, right? The, oh my God. Imagine the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yep. Literally going, okay, someone could sell that. You could sell yep. that as an, it's the most renowned art of all time. Yeah. And it's because it got stolen. He wouldn't know about any of that either, would he? Wouldn't <laughs> know. He didn't even value it as one of his best pieces of work. That's what's ironic about it. Is that it, right? Is, the narrative of it all with it getting stolen from the louvre in paris that's what made it famous and like it wasn't renowned as the best known art piece mm. and he wouldn't have even classed it as his best own art piece yeah. i think yeah. so to then tell him by the way you realize that this painting that you made that you don't even really care about is the world's most renowned piece of art might <laughs> Be a hell of a conversation yeah, yeah, with yeah. someone. You're going to need a three courser for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ten courses of uh, taste, tasting dishes and. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, listen, Chris, <laughs> thank, thanks so much for sparing the time today. It's been an amazing chat and I've just learned so much. And I get the feeling that I've not even scratched the surface with you know, what you could have told us about LinkedIn and all that. But, you know, I'd just really encourage people to to follow you on LinkedIn and follow Seedly as well um, and your journey you. and see how that's going because it keeps me entertained every day. And um, just thanks for the content and the fun and the laughs and all that. You know, it really, it really makes LinkedIn a better place to be and I can see why you're being so successful. So well done. Yeah, it's brilliant. I really appreciate it. And you're right. I could literally talk about LinkedIn... <laughs> For days yeah, yeah. and that's what i want to you know say at the end of this is that i will be probably doing a linkedin audio session once Great. a week haven't really decided on the time the theme the event Choose, tuesday tuesdays it. are good i held that is the best way to run out <laughs> yeah i heard uh, the grapevine thursday at nine yeah i read it brilliant. somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah well i'll definitely um you know sort of promote that as much as i can as well and, cheers, and get cheers. on it you know I'd, I'd love to be part of that and if there's any platform that's right for audio it's, it's linkedin you know it's got to well be. honestly i never signed up to clubhouse no and i was android and therefore i couldn't because mm -hmm. it was only ios was to it? begin with yeah it was stupidly i don't mm. know why they ever did that and tried to be like all niche and stuff but, you know, I understand that LinkedIn audio is just a copy of Clubhouse. Yeah. So I kind of wish I'd had that early experience on it. I'm mm -hmm. going to have to jump into it sort of new. Yeah. But for yourself, like, we're going to be hosting guests as panels. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, I, as, as far as I see it, because I only joined my first LinkedIn audio yesterday. I don't even know if it's a new feature that's been rolled out to everyone. Not yet. No, you, you no. must get priority, yeah. 
Well, I, it wasn't mine, actually. I joined yeah. in somebody else's. And uh, the general format looks like you raise your hand and then they invite you in and you oh, ask okay. a question to a panel. So for yourself, you know, we might get you on the panel side so that if someone had a question about hospitality or anything, yeah. that you could be the representative, you know, because as far as hospitality goes, um, I know certain things and I know certain companies that have, worked their way through LinkedIn very successfully and I've been in direct to consumer stuff, mm -hmm. which was more, pro you know, from a marketing point of view, directly working with hospitality companies. Um, whereas now I, I try to specialize in B2B, you yeah. know, uh, anybody, and there are hospitality companies with a B2B requirement, Oh yeah, you know, uh, but a lot of them are just, how do we get, you know, bums in seats and mm -hmm. footfall and you know, sort of old schooly sort of things. Yeah. Whereas others go, how can you get me a commercial opportunity with the co-op yeah. and Tesco's and getting our products that we manufacture or we make in the cafe or whatever into yeah. a, a supermarket chain. Yeah. And then that I could answer something from that perspective, but I certainly couldn't about general hospitality. Yeah. It'd be a so, real yeah. pleasure. Yeah. I'd love to. Do. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the other audiences of course are, you know, supply, like in terms of my world, suppliers to hospitality mm. from a B2B perspective, right. you know, so EPOS or apps or Wi-Fi or right. email or, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I sometimes help those out too. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'd love to help you on anything, you know. I need to repay the favour. Awesome. And I'm sure we'll have a part two at some point as well because there's, it's always forever changing the social media landscape. So it's always good to check mm. in and see how it's going. That's brilliant. Yeah, well, listen, definitely. thanks so much. It's been amazing to talk to you and um, we'll catch up soon. And uh, yeah, the episode should be out in a few weeks time. So I'll, I'll hit you up when it's coming out. Awesome. Great. Cheers. See you thanks later. Thanks so much. Cheers, Chris. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So there we go. What an amazing episode with Chris Branch. Thanks to him and to the Seedly team for giving him, giving him over to us and getting a loan of him. Also, it was a great way for us to look into LinkedIn a bit deeper and really look at the possibilities and all the tricks and all the tips that you can have that will just make you a better marketer on LinkedIn. So definitely some executable stuff in there straight away. A huge thanks to you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for continuing to listen and continuing to tell just one person every week that might get some value out of this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Storekit for being our sponsors for this episode and also to the brilliant Saved by Robots. Really appreciate all of your help and support uh, in terms of promoting the podcast and supporting us and helping us be able to make this possible. A huge thanks to Gaz and Gabby, the production team, for all that they do every week to make sure we get this on air. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that this episode has given you the insight, the information and the confidence to help your brand boom.